0: Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now for today's message. So, uh, fun story. Uh, what I'm preaching on today was the last message, text-wise, that I preached before I went on sabbatical. Uh, I think it was uh, last summer, uh, June 12th or 13th. I preached. These same 17 verses, um, and the beauty of this, you can go back and listen to that, find it in June, um, I think it was called Make Room Then. The beauty of the text, and this is why we continue to read the Word of God, is because there's so many things that the same scriptures want to speak to our heart. So I'm going to go at a little bit different um, direction than I did uh, one year ago. And uh, see what God wants to do with us today. So um, here's my first statement for you. How you build your house matters. Um, You live in the wrong state or wrong section of your state to have a poorly constructed home. And if you've just moved here and you're like, what is he talking about? In nine days from now, we enter hurricane (laughs) season. And I mean, really, uh, we've been here 10 years um, and Florence was the uh, worst thing uh, that we've experienced. And uh, we ran, we ran out of town for that one Uh, at the time when it was heading this way, it was a category four and we're like, you know, we love our house, but not that much. Um, But you know, it just, the, the, the wind shears that we have down, just, just the, weather that comes to this area, um, it will expose weaknesses to the construction of your house and to the implementation of your shingles on your roof, um, to the leaky fireplace. We had uh, a fireplace that was leaking. Um, We wanted one, and it's been great. I love it. And even though it leaked, um, still, we had to have the whole top of it removed. Water ran down into our house. It's great stuff, great stuff. But when the rains and winds come, how your house house was constructed and built matters. And if we're going to live like Jesus is greater, uh, your house isn't the only thing that needs to be built right. How we build our lives in Christ matters much more than how your house is constructed, because a little bad or damaged sheetrock because of rain, or even a completely flooded house, is completely less on the scale of destruction than your life when you don't build correctly. So today, uh, we're going to let uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians, we're in 1 Corinthians 3, 1-17, uh, through 17, challenge us to take seriously how we build our lives. So let's pray. God, we confess, I confess, for our church that we are a people at times that cut corners in our own life because we're so busy with everything else. And Lord, we confess that cutting corners in our spiritual life and cutting corners in building the life and uh, character and uh, man or woman that you've desired, desired for us to be is difficult. And so Lord regardless of how we've built. Or what we've built with. Or how we've managed it so far. Lord we know that today. Um, you can set things right. You can set us into a pattern of building. Something that will last. Something that will withstand. The rains. And the storms. And we will be built. On the solid foundation of who you are. So Lord. Um, I, I don't, I pray against condemnation that would make us feel worse. I pray for conviction that would spur us to know that we are not alone. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we can build something that matters. And so, Lord, let us see your word. Give us eyes to see and hearts um, to receive and a willingness to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, Paul wrote a lot of letters while he was in prison. This is uh, one of those to the church in Corinth. Uh, This church was littered with issues. Uh, Most letters, when you get a letter from leadership, are littered with things that you should correct or fix. Because if everything's going great, the letter would be like, great job. We love you. Still praying for you. But Paul wrote this letter to this church because there was issues. There was divisions. And actually this whole section is called divisions among the church. And divisions, whether you know it or not, is what destroys most churches. It's why we have so many churches in general. Because one person doesn't like one thing and wants to change it. And sometimes it's righteous to do so But many times it's not. Many times it's personal preference. It's, you know, I don't like this or I don't like how they said this or they did this or they did that. And there's division. And so Paul's writing to a people that are struggling just to be the church. And they're struggling to know who they're supposed to follow. And so you're going to hear some names in here, uh, Paul and Apollos. And you're going to hear some um, disagreements about who they follow So we're going to jump in to um, verse one, chapter three says, but I, brothers, is he, he, like he slaps him right at the beginning, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh as infants in Christ. Paul is addressing those who are stuck, the ones who are still trusting and living in the flesh. And if you've not been around the Bible very much, the flesh is our enemy. The flesh is the thing that wants what it wants, when it wants it and how it wants it. And the Holy Spirit is calling us to something greater. And more than that, more than the now, usually the flesh is only interested in the right now where the Holy Spirit is interested in forever. It's interested in what you're building right now because of what's going to come later. The flesh wants what it wants right now with no thought about the consequences to later. He said, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. See, there's not judgment for baby Christians. See, Paul, if, if you're new to this and you're like, man, I'm just trying to figure this out, Paul's not. Confronting and being aggressive. He's being aggressive to those who should know better. (laughs) And the problem is... um, Let me make a confession. Um, The problem is most churches are mostly interested in your attendance. And what you put in their little dumb metal boxes back there. And what they can do with what you put in their metal boxes. God... Paul, the New Testament, the epistles were interested in developing you as a disciple. And so the da- the danger is that if we're and in, in, and this is what happens. I mean, Revelation tells us that, that in towards the end of times we'll want to go places that tickle our ears that make us go yes, that's right, I'll agree, yes. The problem with that is a lot of times that's not where God's calling you to. God wants more from you because it's what's the best for you. Not just sitting here listening to things that you want. You know, he's saying, hey, I want to tell you other things, but you won't listen to them. Reading a uh, book on hearing from God by Dallas Willard and. He was talking about one of the reasons why uh, people aren't hearing God. And it was an interesting one, which I I agree with. And there was a lot leading up to this. So this isn't a one off statement where this is the only reason. But he said, "I, I fear that a lot of times people aren't hearing from God because they're not willing to do what God's wanting to say to them. We're like, God, I want you to answer this question. God, I want you to know. I want to know whether you want me to take this job or where you want me to do this or marry this person or whatever. But until we're ready to do what God's asking us to do, why would he tell you? I was riding down the car. And I was like, Ooh. And I'm like, Lord, Like if that's me, like if I'm sitting here going, God, I want to hear your voice. I'm over here praying half of worship going, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be your mouthpiece. But like sometimes he's like. But do you do you want to say and do the things that I want you to say and do, even if it'll cost you? And it's the same thing with our lives. There's things that he's calling us to that he's not going to say, just like Paul's saying for them, because we are not interested in obedience. Because that's what he's looking for. I mean, Jesus said, you know, like, I know you're my disciple because you do what I say. That when I speak, you're interested in going in that direction. And I don't even mean perfectly. No one in this room has it figured out. No one in this room is perfect. No one. Now, we look around and we see real spiritual people or we think more spiritual than us. And we think, man, they've got it figured out. They don't. They have some things figured out, maybe more than you, but they don't have it figured out. Because we're in this position of trying to grow. See, Paul was more concerned about 20-year-old babies. At some point, there has to be like, hey, we need to be growing, we need to be moving. If you're still stuck in the same pattern of reading just a little bit and and, and, letting, and checking that box every day, that will never get you where you want to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, when I got saved, um, I, and I love Oswald Chambers, my, my first highest. I mean, it's good stuff, but if that's your devotional life, after a short period of time, you're in trouble because God wants you to be vested in what he's doing, which is all what this message is about today. He wants to build you and he cannot build you unless you're willing to invest in that. So how does he know where their maturity is, where there's jealousy and strife? There's not maturity. Verse four, it says, when one says I follow Paul and another says I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? See, this is like, and I'm telling you, this is why to my default, if you haven't met me and we're having a conversation and you're new here, I'm going to tell you it probably in our first conversation that if we're not it for you, I'll help find you a church. Because I'm more interested in you finding somewhere, a real place that's preaching the gospel, okay? Not just anywhere, but like I'm interested in you finding a place that will help you grow. And we're not yet. I will help you. I will tell you pastors that I know, that I know what they're doing, and I know their character, and I know uh, them personally. And I will say, here, I will call them for you. I will tell them that you're coming. I will say, look out for so-and-so. But many times that's not us. We look around and we go, we're it. We're the only ones doing. Like, when we look out and say we're the only ones doing the right thing, we're in trouble. For one, I'm not listening to their sermons. Like, I'm not going to their churches. I don't know. I know lots of pastors in this town personally because I've spent time with them. But, like, I don't know. They could be a lot better. Their worship could be better. Their, you know, their their speaking could be better. I don't know. I mean, he's a better preacher, but this is the conversation that's going on. And he's, he's like, this is why there's an issue in verse five. It says, and what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth. Here's the beauty of church. And this is the beauty of why churches are different for a season A church may be perfect for you. And then you may go to another church and for that season, that church is perfect for you. And I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with you not liking something in a moment and you change because it, it, you know, it wasn't your speed. And you go from one place. You've got to be planted somewhere. But at some point you may go, man, God's going to do some great work and here's the beauty of it. He's like, it's God that brings the growth. I cannot change you like I can preach and I can tell you to do things. But like if you start doing them for a long period of time, not just this week, if you start doing them and doing habits, it's God working in you. It's God that brings the growth. The church and its pastors are just the tool to build faith and make much of God. And remember, you as a disciple, you are part of the royal priesthood. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you who are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You. So, I mean, really what we're going to get into, he's kind of talking primarily to pastors because they're the one that's sowing. They're the one that's preaching the word that's hopefully building the church. But I want to, I want to, I want to pull some of that at some point you have to learn to feed yourself at some point. Like we had children and all of mine, thankfully, just in the last couple of years, I don't have to cut up their meat. <laughs> I make fun of one. She's not here right now. And she, she has now started to cut up on her own meat. But when they were little, like you cut, you did everything for them from the bottle to setting in front of them and they would eat it. You would clean up for you would do everything. But at some point, your doing for them kind of reduces and you give them whole and bigger pieces to where now my children go up to where our food is and they put it on their plate and they go over to the table and they eat it. Some of them in my house, we even make their own food that look, I want to take away at some point in your Christian career. Like, and I I'm for the church planted one. I enjoy them. I think they should. They're important. But if you're waiting for the church to make you whole and complete, you're going to be waiting a long time. You got to get in the word. This is what we're talking about. Verse seven, it says, So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So he's getting ready to transition from this kind of idea of planting and sowing into construction. That's where we're going to be for the rest of this verse 10 says, according to the grace God has given me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. This is, that's, that's my one thing for you today. Take care how you build because what you build and how you build and what you're building it on matters. The foundation matters. You can have the best materials and a bad foundation and it will destroy everything. You can get all that because it's getting ready to talk about materials in just a second. You can buy all the stone and mortar and, you know, steel, I beams and all of these things that would build a very solid, solid foundation. But if you don't put it on a foundation, you just put it in the ground on the dirt. You're in trouble. So first and foremost, you cannot build on the wrong foundation. If you're going to build everything that we're going to talk about and everything that I'm going to encourage you on today, if it's not on the foundation of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're building on that, you're in trouble. Like, we are not a place that we just want to turn out better human beings. I mean, hopefully, Jesus will make us better human beings, but our our goal is not for you to be better people. Our goal is for you to be more surrendered to Jesus. Verse 11, it says, for no one can lay a foundation other that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is greater. This is what I've been saying all year. Listen to this in Isaiah, which Jesus is going to quote Isaiah 28, 16. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, whoever believes will not be in haste. In Mark 12, Jesus quotes this. Have you not read the stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone? Which is also, if you're reading the one in your Bible today, Psalms 118. Which is also where it this whole line came from was in your reading today. Side note. So let us observe. This Calvin wrote this. I, I like this. And before you're like, I don't like Calvin. Whatever. I don't like everything Calvin says either. But you know, just listen to this. Okay. Uh, let us observe then in what way the church is rightly built on Christ. It is when He alone is set forth as righteous, as redemption, as sanctification, as wisdom, as sanct- uh, uh, well, sorry, sanctification, as satisfaction and cleansing, in short, for life and glory. When Jesus is correctly our foundation, is when we put everything in him. We are not looking for ourselves to redeem and rescue me. If you want to fix what's broken in your life, it will not be... Out of you. It'll be through Christ and he'll do it in you. But if you're just trying to do it on your own, it is not going to work very well. Verse 12, it says, now, if anyone builds on the foundation. So we're talking about the foundation of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if anybody builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Some of that is literally in our judgment at the end of our life. Some of it's right now. Because we're tested by fire through life. And what has been built will be exposed Thousands of years later, we still see remnants of good building materials. Think about it this way. The pyramid. 4,600 years old. Still there. You can still tell what it looked like when it was built. You can still see it. How many 4,600-year-old wood and straw huts are still around? I mean, it was great for that moment, but like if you want to build something that lasts, which I'm not talking about building things on this planet. So if you're thinking, mm, I'm going to build this building, it's going to be here forever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in here. <clears throat> for each one will be made manifest on the day and the day we'll disclose it. Because it'll be revealed by, by fire in our lives. Like we've seen it, if you've hit hard things, and I would uh, safely say in the last two years you've probably hit some hard things. Life has been interesting. How you're doing is partly a reflection of how you've been building. Verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. Okay, for those that are just hoping to skate into heaven, this is that verse. I made it like you just you just come in like in your birthday suit because everything else is just gone. You've got nothing left, but you made it in. If that's your goal, you can get there right here if that's your goal not i don't think you can have a miserable eternity but i think it's going to be a bad welcome home because you're going to realize that you wasted so much of your effort and energy and time on things that didn't matter and you're going to spend a little bit i think there's if you made it in, there's joy and gladness and there's no tears in heaven. So we're not going to be crying over it. But I think there's going to be a deep. Crap. Like I, I, I wasted so much time and I, I don't want that. But the problem is our world moves so fast that if we're not intentional of building something now, we'll get to the end of it and go, where did the time go? I had a kid that turned 20 two weeks ago, 20. do I look like I'm going to have a 20 year old. <laughs> I don't think so. I look in the mirror and be like, you're, you know, I'm getting some gray hair. Um, but it, it's, it's crap. I mean, like I, 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 my neighbor has, um, a little kid and I was talking to them the other day and I was like, man, it just goes by so fast. And people told us that when our kids were little, <laughs> like, no, this is going forever. <laughs> like we can't get out of this stage or that stage fast enough. And let me just tell you Like in two months, one of my kids is going to move out and have her own apartment for the first time. And it's scary. I mean, life, before you know it, you're going to be sitting at the end of your life evaluating everything. And I want you to be sitting at the end of that life going, Thank you, God, for letting me invest in things that matter. There's only one thing that you encounter on a day-to-day basis that will last forever. And that's the souls of the men and women that you encounter. Nothing else in your life will be around forever. Just think, I mean, I'm 46 years old. Um, I have, you know, some blankets that I had when I was little. I used to sleep with every day. I still have them. I don't use them. Um, But they're in my house. I'll show them to you if you come over. But everything else is pretty much gone. Like, there's not a whole, like, I I don't have, like, a storage closet out back with this, you know, my favorite toys from growing up. Which, if your parents, becoming grandparents, save those things. And then instead of getting them Christmas presents, pack those up and give them back to them. That's what my mom did for years. She would find stuff. Every time they move, we get stuff. I mean, she'd give us other presents, but she would be like, (laughs) she's like, they're yours. If you don't want them, throw them away, but they're leaving the house. So I have some of my He-Man and um, Ninja Turtles stamped 1984, I think, there. But everything else is going to be gone. Our legacy will be measured by this scale. What did you do to build the kingdom of God? What did you do with the life that God gave you to invest in building others up? What'd you do? If the only thing that's going to last for eternity is other people, what are you doing to invest in people so that not that they're just better now, but that they know Jesus are building off the right foundation, are growing in their spirituality, growing in their knowledge of God so that they're going to become like you. Verse 16 says, do you not know that you are the temple of, That you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. I don't have any time to unpack verse 17. I almost didn't put it in there. And I was just like, but whatever. It's part of the section. I'll let you play with that later. You are the temple of God. I mean, what if you just left here today? And you're like, I'm a child of God. I love God. And you just walked around all day thinking that you're housing the Holy Spirit, that you're the temple of God. I mean, how would that shape how you would address someone? (laughs) How you um, encountered those other lovely drivers on the road? How you spoke to your children when no one else is in the house. How you treated your wife when no one else is looking. How, you know, what... Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to go there. Like what you're scrolling through on that social media that you need to be getting off. I've totally moved every... Like I, I was hanging on the Twitter. It's gone. Off my phone. Gone. I was hanging YouTube. I was hanging on my phone. Gone. Stuff. I'm just telling you. What, what if we're thinking all the time, like, you, you know... God is with me. Like, what about when you turn on your favorite shows? You know the ones when, you know, like your wife walks back in the room. And I'm not even talking about, like, the bad, bad stuff, okay? I'm just talking about, like, things. Where, or, or let's put it this way. When your five-year-old walks in the room, you're like, pause. <laughs> my, my son heard the curse word um, in a song. In a, in a, not a song. I mean, maybe a song. Uh, in a TV show. And I uh, went to school and he spelled it. Teacher saw him, wrote us a letter, or email home. I mean, so you know, but what? And we think, oh man, he heard. What? What if? What if our life really was thinking, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's with me everywhere. Like, how would that change our perspectives? How would that change our interactions? By living Jesus as greater is not being passive, but active and being a follower of Jesus. You can't sit here and say, God, I want more of you, but do nothing to have more of him. You can't pray, God, I, w- I want to see you. I want to experience you, but do nothing on your end to see or experience him. That's like saying, muscles, I want you to be big. <laughs> mm. And then you walk out and look in the mirror and be like, Dang on, what's what's going on? But you don't go to the gym, you don't do a push up, you don't do yeah, you know what I'm saying? But how many of us that's our spiritual life? We're like, God, I want you more, but we do nothing. First Peter chapter two, verse one through five says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that, the Lord is good. He's confirming like you've got to have the foundation correct. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about two movies, um, mostly because of scenes that happened in them. Uh, One of them, if you've not watched this, it's. You know, whatever, Schindler's List. And there's a there's the end of the movie, and the guy's um, done all this work to save people, to rescue. And I don't think he started out that way. He was a businessman. He wanted to make money, but his heart couldn't handle what was happening. And so he did everything in his power to save as many as he could. And, and, and the day that he was having to run, because he was going to be tried as a criminal, basically... He was in tears. I don't know if, if you've seen this scene. It'd be worth just finding this scene. And he is broken because he was, he's weeping because he was like, I could have saved one more. He had a gold filling. And he's like, I could have taken this out of my tooth. I could, that could have been one more person. He's like, one more. And he was broken because of what he could have done more. And this is our view of our end of our life. We don't want to get to that place of going, man, I've wasted so much time. If you saw Hacksaw Ridge. I recommend it. If you don't like war movies, don't watch it. Um, it's all about this guy. He would not. He wanted to be a medic. He would not touch a gun. And he rescued. And he was. He was a Christian. Prayed. He rescued. I don't know how many people. And he kept. He kept saying, "Lord, give me one more." And he'd go back up to this place that was a death valley. Literally, everybody was dying there, and he would rescue all. Night long to the point, and I don't know how, if this is history or fiction, I don't know, but it's good stuff. But now I'm talking about the end, like <laughs> they, they're getting ready to go up for the next day. And this, the guy who's in charge is like, why aren't we going up? What is going on? And it's like, they're not leaving until man gets through praying. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're waiting until he fit in there. He's like, okay. Um, one more. What is eternity worth to you? And not just your eternity. And maybe it may have to start here, central, because you're like, maybe you're not ready to think about people outside of your family. Maybe you're not ready to think about those really annoying people that still were made in the image of God and still have an opportunity to know him. That's where I'd love for you to get. But maybe you have to start just at home. I don't know about you, but when your kids are little, you just don't think a whole lot. It's just it's just trying to get through life. It's trying to change diapers. It's trying to feed kids. It's trying to keep them alive. But the older my kids get, the more concerned I am about their eternity. And and what if we gave them everything they needed to survive here on this planet, but we failed to give them the one thing that will keep them for eternity? And I've said this a few times Well, my prayer over the last like two years is that you keep my kids alive until they confess you. Anything else. I don't, I don't want to see them to go through things, but if you will preserve their life until they say yes to you, I'm a content person. But that means, you know, let me just say this. That means you have to build you. And they have to see it. Because your kids aren't interested in what you're telling them they should believe. Your kids are interested in what works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, even though you go to church and you serve and you do all these things, they're not going to do. And so maybe all of this today is just about you building you. Because if you're not there, you can't help anyone else. But if you say, I'm going to invest in me, not just for me, but I'm going to invest in me because what I do in me is going to affect other people. When God starts showing up, when God starts speaking, when God starts moving in your life, it will be no issue for you to tell others. It'll be no issue when you see God answering prayer, when you see God like just it just is in you. That's what we're looking for. John six, verse twenty seven It says, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of God will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Look, let me just tell you, I'm not asking anyone in this room to quit their job and pursue full-time ministry. Maybe someone in here, but most likely not. What I'm asking you to do is stop chasing something that's not going to make you happy. Start looking at that job as a means and a method for God to work in you. Maybe some of the people in this room, God has gifted you in something so that you can invest in the kingdom. Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit the man to gain the whole world? Yet forfeit his soul. For what shall a man give in return for his soul? Look, the only way you're going to get to the end of your life and go. I got this is to build now. It's not waiting until later. Like I've got time. You don't got time. If COVID and everything else that's happened in our world in the last two years, life is uncertain. I mean. $4.30 Two, to $4.30 whatever cents for gas. I don't know I've ever seen that in my lifetime. It makes me cry every time I fill up my truck. And then I didn't even have that big of a tank, but like $80, it used to be like 45 Like our life is uncertain. Money is not going to fix everything. And you chasing after something just to chase it so you can have it so you can be comfortable now isn't going to fix anything. So my last question, I'm going to invite our worship team back up. Is what kingdom are you building? What, what are you working on? And let me just tell you, I don't know. I've been feeling a burden here lately, and we may do this where I, I do a season, a, a series where we just I preach the different types of doctrine. Which are foundational things that we should believe in. Um, Until I do that, if you want to um, read some of that stuff, there's a great book called Do You Believe? written by Paul David Tripp. It's 12 Essential Doctrines and How They Should Influence Your Life. It talks about God and sovereignty. and um, I'm literally right now in the section on the doctrine of sin. Yeah, buddy. That'll be a good one to preach in here. Because the thing that's destroying you right now, sin, ruins every aspect of our life. And so if you've not connected uh, here at REACH, I, I encourage you. Like, we're doing everything. I didn't move to the city because I like the beach. said so that a thousand times. I know it's disappointing for those that love the beach. I moved to the city because Jesus said here. So we haven't got it all figured out. If you hang around here long enough, you'll see that there's holes, there's things missing. And some of that's because we don't have you. Not meaning you sitting in this room because you're sitting in this room, but we don't have you using your gifts here. And so if you've been looking for a home, a place that you can serve, a place that you can grow at, um, I encourage you today, come to Pizza with the Pastor. You're going to hear a little bit about why we're here in this city. You're going to hear a little bit about what we believe. And at the end of all this, I'm going to let you ask me questions that I may or may not have the answers to. But sitting on the sideline and waiting for that moment isn't going to do anything. And, and we would love to be part of you growing in that foundation. But for that to happen, you have to be connected. You have to stay somewhere for a little bit. Um, and pizza, the pastor may be an opportunity for you to answer some of the questions that you have to figure out if we are the place that you want to call home for this period of your life. So I invite you, um, whether you have plans already and you're like, Oh, mm, maybe come, we're going to start in about 20 minutes. Uh, pizza is going to be here at about 1130. We're going to eat. I'm going to do most of the talking and then we're going to uh, answer some questions and I'm going to hopefully fill in some of the things that you haven't seen so far. Um, And then if I don't ask the question that's burning inside of you, ask because someone in the room is probably wondering the same thing. So I'll leave you with this. If right now Jesus were to come back, what would you regret? About what you haven't done so far. And I don't mean like success and achievement. Because at the end of our life, you never talk to somebody on their deathbed. And they never go, I should have worked more hours. I wish I had more money in the bank. It is almost always relationships that were strained. That break their hearts at the end. What would you regret that you haven't done, that you haven't built today and here's the beauty Jesus hasn't returned yet so if you feel a conviction of like man I need to work on this acknowledge it and start working on it and let me just tell you if you want to go to that next level I love accountability I love people knowing the things um, that I want to do because I inwardly am a very lazy person I know everybody's like oh he gets up early Mm -mm. the only reason I get up early is because other people and the only reason I move forward is because other people, and I usually tell them things that I'm trying to work on so that they can ask me. And so I encourage you, if something today you're like, I'm gonna, I need to commit to this, tell someone else. Because if you keep it inside, the moment it gets difficult, the moment you're like, I don't really want to do that, it'll just disappear. But if you speak it to someone else and say, I, this is what I feel the Lord is calling me to, this is what I want to start doing, can you please ask me about it? I'm telling you what, it'll change you. Let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, we want to be people that do something of value, and that value is centered around your kingdom. And so, Lord, if there's people in this room that aren't even planted on the right foundation, on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today that you would move them there. And for those that are here in this room and they're on the foundation, but they're struggling to build. I pray that you give them wisdom. I pray that you bring people into their life or you help them invite people into their life to help them grow. Lord, I pray that you would change us into not just passive kingdom people, but active And Lord, I pray that you would give grace to everyone in this room that begins to step in faith towards building something of value in their life. That you would give them grace to continue. Lord, that they would be trusting you for what you are actively doing in their life. Lord, we love you. Lord, we want to be people that get the idea that this isn't it, this isn't all, that we have an eternity. And we want to not only fight for our eternity with you, we want to fight for the eternity of those that we interact with. So give us a heart for outreach. Give us a heart and a mission in our workplaces and in our homes and our neighborhoods. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.